in Goldendale, and hello to all of my fellow liberty-loving Americans all across the fruited plains from sea to shining sea. This is the host who loves you the most, Luke Throop, here on another uh, thought-provoking Thursday, friends. Tortured Port 387, pushing through to clarity. This will be the uh, the final segment in the Where There Is No Vision series of contemplation. Maybe, or maybe not, but it's all coming together. It's all coming together. And friends, I do... I really appreciate uh, you humoring my musings regarding a vision for the future of our country. You know, before the the torch report was the torch report, this substack started out as Letters from Luke. And Good Morning Goldendale was a podcast I started to just share what I was learning about all the COVID stuff with the local community. And all the early subscribers were mostly my friends and family and folks from the local community. So... You know, the audience has expanded considerably since then, and that's all been organic. I'm not big on social media. I'm not doing a lot of promoting or anything. Uh, so the, the, you know, the audience is growing from public speaking engagements and people sharing. So it really does mean a lot that you like and share. That means everything there. Uh, but throughout all of this process, the sentiment has remained the same. I speak from the heart as if we were friends. This really is a letter from my heart to yours. It's letters from Luke, you know. Now, After making a couple trips back and forth across the country and talking with other liberty-loving Americans all across the Fruited Plains, uh, first was with the People's Convoy, delivering the message to uh, Washington, D.C. that, hey, you know, we the people have had enough. We're pissed. You can't keep trampling on our freedoms like this, our liberties. And then uh, the second time out with uh, with Freedom Works there for the Freedom Caucus and to go sit in on that. And that was really something. And through that process, it became crystal clear. That what to me that what we're experiencing here at the local level is being experienced all across the country. You know, people everywhere are working toward this common goal. It felt like you know that everybody's working to stop government overreach and to secure our elections. And that what a you know what a novel concept. What a noble cause. You know, let's work together to stop government overreach and secure our elections. And the common enemy also seemed to be clear, you know, top-down control of our everyday lives. That's the enemy, those who want to control us. And yet things have changed ever so gradually. I've noticed how you know, in the different groups I meet with and the in the personal conversations I have with fellow patriots in the eyes of those I casually cross paths with in the community. Yesterday, I was out and about running some errands in town. I saw several people I hadn't seen in a long time. I saw people who, you know, I was standing alongside holding signs on medical freedom and all this kind of stuff. You know, people who are out there on the front lines of community action who now have stepped back. You know, they've kind of retreated a little bit from that that public uh, action and they've just kind of picked up the pieces of, of life as usual at, you know, just kind of going about their own business, minding their own business. And, you know, albeit with a deepened gaze to quote the uh, the article I was referencing there recently, we've got a, a lot of Americans have a deepened gaze right now. There's a deep knowing that it's all so wrong. It's going to take a miracle to correct course. And anybody who knows what's going on can sense that bad things are about to happen. There's a sense that, you know, we're waiting for the next shoe to drop. What's going to happen next? You know what? Doesn't really matter because they're prepared for it, right? Patriots are prepared for it. If you're not prepared at this point, uh, the, the window is closing quickly here. Now, those who are prepared are just kind of biding their time, waiting to see how this is going to play out. Will we have 
a hung election and a civil war in 2024. Friends, you realize that's just really months away. You know, we're, we're, we're not that far from this prediction that we're going to have a hung election in the civil war. It's been predicted. And if you were to surveil current circumstance, it appears to me that the puppet masters are pulling the strings. They're pushing things in that direction. And we know that they've been sowing these seeds for years. And I did put a little screenshot in here. I know a lot of people, maybe, maybe you haven't heard about this prediction of a hung election in a civil war. It was made by Bill Gates. I reported on it first uh, back in October, Torch Report 212. It, you know, how do we resist all of this? How do we see through the smoke and mirrors and see an accessible strategy? But Again, screenshot here, friends. If you're listening on a podcast platform, please know you just have to go to thetorchreport.com and check out Torch Report 387. You'll see this spiffy screenshot. It talks about army generals talking about if Trump loses, it could set off a civil war. Uh, generals are, are warning that the, the, the military is divided, and that might lead to a civil war. And these are not fringe uh Fringe websites here. This is Newsweek, Huffington Post, The Independent, you know, The Sun, uh, MSN.com. Bill Gates says we're going to have a hung election and a civil war. So it's right there in front of God and everybody to look at. The question is, will it happen? And the answer is, who the hell knows? I don't know if it's going to happen. But I, I think, you know, there, there are really generally three different ways that people think about this, this uh, possibility of a hung election in the Civil War. Some people think about it from the angle that the global elites want there to be a, a civil war in the United States. They want the U.S. civil war because it will de destabilize our country, destroy our national identity, and open the door to international intervention, right? UN peacekeepers on U.S. soil, in other words. That's one angle people think about it from. Another angle that people think about this from is, is that civil war is being fomented by the deep state in order to justify martial law. So they're trying to make war to justify the clampdown as, as, you know, this martial law, part of a larger ploy to intimidate opposition and really ultimately to eradicate political dissent. Very dark, very nefarious, but very possible. A third angle that people... I think approach this this potential for a civil war is from the angle that our country is broken beyond repair, that our government has been infiltrated and captured by enemies of the American people, and that civil war is the only way to fix it. Now, I don't know, you know, any one of these perspectives could be scoffed at, they could be dismissed as being batshit crazy. That's fine. Maybe, you know, or any one of these perspectives could be 100% spot on and entirely accurate. It's, it's also possible that all three of these perspectives reflect certain elements of truth about our current situation. You know, the global cabal could be collaborating with the deep state to undermine America and institute the new world order. That's exactly what they have said they intend to do repeatedly as we've reported. Now, uh, Americans may have to fight to the death in defense of our country if that's the case. Maybe. I don't know, you know. But over the last week, you know, I've been I've been ruminating on what feels to me like a lack of vision, a lack of vision that besets the liberty movement. There are certainly people who are fighting back against the insanity, the woke insanity and all that kind of stuff. But I believe there are too few people who are fighting in too many different directions. 
And when you got too few people fighting in too many different directions, tactically speaking, this is a recipe for defeat. And you know, from a battlefield perspective, it appears to me that we're surrounded and we're being attacked from all sides. We're outnumbered, we're outgunned, and we're about to lose. Okay? Now, when I say that, I realize there are people who question that, you know, are we really outnumbered? Luke, come on. Are we re- I mean, are we really outgunned? I mean, there are those who would argue that we, the people, are the majority. American patriots are the majority. That we, the people, we American patriots have plenty of guns, you know, perhaps, perhaps, you know, perhaps the sleeping beast has not been aroused just yet or provoked just yet. I don't know. Perhaps, you know, we do as American patriots occupy the greatest percentage of American territory. I can tell you that I've seen it with my own eyes, you know, thousands and thousands of miles all the way across the country and back people, you know, standing with their flags, the flag that stands for freedom and they can't take that away. And, you know, patriots generally do have the means to defend and protect their territory along with their local resources. I acknowledge that 100%, but, 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 and this is a huge but, the enemy does outnumber us, strictly speaking. They outnumber us. The number of people who live in metropolitan areas vastly outnumbers the number of people who are living in rural America. They might not have the guns, but they do have the money and the influence to persuade the outcome of national elections. They have the political power. And along with this political power, however illegitimate it may be, with this political power, they also have control over the military, as well as federal, state, county, and local level law enforcement. Now, obviously, they don't control all of the military and or all of the law enforcement officers, but they certainly control enough. If you think about it, you know, why does this matter? Why does it matter that the enemy has political power and control over the military and law enforcement? It matters because if some rowdy rebel rousers in rural America decided to get plucky and try to shut down supply lines into the cities, you can bet your ass that the National Guard, the FBI, the CIA, the ATF, and others would be quickly mobilized to crush the rebellion as quickly and painfully and publicly as possible. And furthermore, in any such scenario, you know, it would immediately be used. All the publicity would be used to whip the masses into a frenzy of support for the use of government force. The public would support the use of government force to weed out and destroy these so-called enemies of democracy. Public support manipulated by twisted polling that allows the media to paint the situation as another J6 insurrection, you know, that public support would be cultivated in favor of dealing with these so-called domestic terrorists once and for all. Then what happens? Well, then, you know, accounts would be frozen. Families would be harassed. Dissidents would be tracked down, locked up, and made a spectacle of before they simply disappeared. And as more patriots rose up in protest, their locations would be noted, and their turn would be next. The clean sweep will have begun. With the full backing and support of the U.S. government, the international community, and the majority of the ignorant 
masses. Tell me, friends. Tell me, patriots. How do we win in this situation? That's what I want to know. How do we win? And I've thought long and hard about how to answer that question. How do we win? I've thought about it from the military perspective. I've thought about it from the moral perspective. I've thought about it from the family perspective and from the perspective of a future generation. Those of us with children who are coming of age, what does that look like? You know, I've thought about this from the angle of three-dimensional chess. And, <laughs> oh, friends, just to lighten the mood a little here, I did put a, a picture of yours truly, your favorite fuzzy peasant here, playing a little bit of three-dimensional chess with, uh, with my family. And it just, you know, this is how I think about things. And I really, really am trying to wrap my head around it. And the truth is there are no easy answers. If it were a game of chess, I would say there are very few moves left to avoid a total checkmate. Hence the need for a vision. We must look ahead. We must peer into the future. We must foresee the possible outcomes, anticipate how the enemy may advance and plot our next moves accordingly. If they can win without firing a shot, know that they will. And if we can win without firing a shot, we sure as hell should, right? But make no mistake, friends, this game is a game for all of the marbles. The enemy is playing for keeps. They intend to keep the power and the control that they've assumed for themselves. They intend to expand it. They intend to keep on locking us down and masking us up and interrupting our lives under the guise of public health and safety and saving the planet. They intend to keep on conditioning the masses, ignoring the rule of law, and imposing their will by force. They intend to keep on undermining our national sovereignty, penetrating the national cabinets, stealing our national elections, and destroying our national identity. They intend to do all of this, friends, with complete impunity. They will continue to do so until acted upon by a superior opposing force. That's just the way the world works. But does this superior opposing force, is it, does it exist? Is it out there? You know, human nature and the laws of physics are immutable. What is in motion is going to stay in motion. The collision course is set. Inertia and momentum favor the enemy, as do the practical aspects of strategic conflict. Friends, they control the flow of information. They control the flow of money. They control the flow of public emotion, public opinion. Their agenda is expanding and it's picking up speed. They grow stronger and more bold by the day. They gain more allegiance and more allies with every graduating class. The algorithms and the AI are conditioning the masses at an accelerated pace. Zoinks, what the hell are we going to do? Friends, most of the people who would side with us in favor of personal freedom and individual liberty, in favor of national sovereignty, sovereignty most of those who would side with us are too timid to even look at what's going on, let alone stand up and fight back. And let me just ask you, am I wrong here? Because if I'm wrong, tell me I'm wrong. You know, am I missing something here? You know, what, 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 am I, what am I not seeing? Help me see what I cannot see, friends. If you've got thoughts, shoot me an email, leave me a comment. You know, the point is, though, when I come and I, th I think about all this, it really boils back down to the fact that we still have 
free will. We have the ability to resist and resist. We must, you know, we have hard choices ahead of us. And just like our forefathers before us, we cannot shy away from hardship. But instead, we must delight in danger, in the, you know, in the danger of fighting for our right to live free, whatever that looks like to you, however it plays out. Delight in the danger of having a door slammed in your face if you're going to go beat the street to get out the, the vote. Delight in the danger of exposing yourself in the community as somebody who is standing in opposition to the status quo. Okay, delight in the danger, the thrill of being exposed as a radical right-wing extremist, a, a domestic terrorist, a Christian insurrectionist, whatever label you choose or whatever gets thrown at you. Okay, remember when sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. Okay, the left is out fighting in the streets. If we can't even fight uh, in, in the in the mental or verbal sphere, if we can, if we're not willing to take that danger of being called a name, then what? Okay, are we really going to go out and fight back in the street? I don't know, friends. I don't know. Like I said, most who would side with us are too timid to even look, let alone stand up and fight. But really, it's our humanity that's on the line. We have to stand up and fight. And to overcome these overwhelming odds, there are three things I believe that we absolutely have to have. Number one is we must come together and build community. Number two is we must come together and build coalitions. Number three, we must come together and communicate. Okay, Community, coalitions, and communication. This is what it's going to take to win these overwhelming odds. Building community helps us shore up the home front. Building coalitions between different organizations and party affiliations, that's the first step of political offense. It will be necessary to build coalitions in order to overcome the corrupt two-party system. Coming together to communicate, that can take a lot of forms. Anything from a book club to barbecues to a town hall, hiking groups to home fellowship. But the core of this, coming together to communicate, is intentional interaction. It's, it's building relationships through heart-to-heart -heart conversations. That's really where it's at. And no matter how it plays out, that's really critical. This is how we can spread the message, the message of hope. You know, this is how we can share the vision that we're born to be free. You know, pss, 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 this is what we need to be doing here. We need to be getting out the vote and voting like our lives depend on it because the next step is blood in the streets, according to the predictions, friends. But the message and the vision is that we're born to be free and we must choose to live free or we will certainly die. You know, we have to hang together or we will hang separately. We need to tell the people that the enemy of freedom is government control. And we need to remind people, don't let them stifle your spirit. Don't let them cover your face. Don't let them stick a needle in the arm. Don't let them force you into doing anything that is uh, opposed to your own personal convictions and beliefs. They don't have the right to treat us like hackable animals. Hey, 
Anyway, friends, that that's the message of my heart for today. And I, like I said, I want to kind of wrap it up and move. I've, I've ignored so much news. There's a lot of news out there, but it's all squawk. It's all political circus. It's all smoke and mirrors. I will get into the news a little bit more tomorrow. So thank you for bearing with me as I've been chewing on this. I would love to hear more from you. Thank you for those who have reached out. I haven't had a chance to respond to everybody yet, but I have been getting a lot of feedback. So thank you. And I appreciate that, friends. If you are enjoying this podcast, which I assume that you are, please take the time to find that little heart on the website or the Substack app. If you click the email and go to the website and then click the heart, it just means a lot. It would take you 45 seconds, but it would make a big difference. So I appreciate those of you who do. Friends, of course, the greatest honor of all is if you share this podcast with someone or anyone or everyone you know. I do hope you get out there and embrace the rest of this thrilling, thought-provoking Thursday, and I'll look forward to talking to you again soon. Soon.